Ah, the sizzle of McDonald's sausage. It's enough to make you crave your favorite breakfasts. Enough to head over to McDonald's. Enough to make you really wish this commercial were scratch and sniff. And if you're a sausage person, now get two satisfyingly savory sausage McGriddles, sausage biscuits, or sausage burritos for just $3.33. Or mix and match. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer or combo meal. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Looking for a fun way to win 25 times your money this football and basketball season? Test your skills on Prize Picks, the most exciting way to play daily fantasy sports. Just select two or more players, pick more or less on their projection for a wide variety of stats, and place your entry. It's as easy as that. If you have the skills, you can turn $10 into $250 with just a few taps. Easy gameplay, quick withdrawals, and injury insurance on your picks are what make Prize Picks the number one daily fantasy sports app. Ready to test your skills? Join the Prize Picks community of more than 7 million players who have already signed up. Right now, Prize Picks will match your first deposit up to $100. Just visit prizepicks.com slash play100 and use code play100. That's code play100 at prizepicks.com slash play100 for a first deposit match up to $100. Prize Picks, daily fantasy sports made easy. It is SNY.TV's The Juice on the Cuse podcast, covering Syracuse basketball, lacrosse, and football. Today on The Juice on the Cuse podcast on SNY.TV, we're talking about ACC football and Syracuse basketball in Italy. I'm Wes Chang, and I'll be joined later by Brad Bierman, and our guest today is ESPN.com's Andrea Adelson. Andrea, it's your sixth year on the program. We love having you. How are you today? I am great, and I hope some of those tapes have been burned because I don't like a few of the predictions I made on this show in previous years. <laughs> there are some predictions I've made I'm not proud of either, so I'm right there with you. And Andrea, we'll get you started on this one. We're a few weeks away from the start of the 2019 football season. It seems like another year, another dominant Clemson team. Is there anyone out there that can dethrone the Tigers this year? Well, I don't know if there's anyone in the ACC that can do it, but certainly I think that Alabama has the capability when you look at what these programs have done against each other the last four years. It's no surprise that everybody's expecting them to meet again in the playoffs for a fifth straight season. And when you look at the players Alabama's bringing back, starting with their quarterback, Tua Tungabailoa, I think it's going to be incredible to watch the battle between what Tua does and what Trevor Lawrence does at Clemson because those two guys are the faces of those programs. And if, I, if anybody knows anything about Nick Saban, I think we all realize and understand he's used what happened in last year's national championship game as motivation for his players throughout the offseason. I don't think that there's going to be any slacking to Alabama this year. And so if you look at one, two, Clemson, Alabama, Alabama, or Clemson, depending on the poll or the preseason publication, I would expect to see those two teams back in the playoff and playing for a championship again. You know, Andrew, we were talking around this time last year, and even the most optimistic of media members and even Syracuse fans had the Orange at seven wins at the most. They ended up with 10. Are they a one-hit wonder, or do you think Syracuse can approach that same win total this year? Well, I've talked to a couple people close to the program, and they believe that they can continue on this upward trajectory if they stay healthy. And that's always a big caveat uh, for schools across the country, but especially for a program like Syracuse, which is still trying to build up the depth to be to a level 
of a Clemson where you can match your starting starters and your reserves equally and rotate them in without there being much of a drop-off. That's what a lot of those elite programs are able to do, like Clemson, Alabama, Georgia. They recruit at such a level where these guys, uh, you know, there's not a lot of drop-off. For a program like Syracuse that I think is still in the building stages, even though we are headed into, what, year four, year five for Dino Babers, um, it, it, it still takes some time when you've been at a point where they were when he took over the program to build up that depth. I really like the players that this team has coming back. I like the culture that's now around this program. I like what Dino Babers has done with that offense. I like the fact that this program is scared of nobody. I like the fact that they understand that any given day they can beat anybody, which I know sounds like a cliche, but to get your players to a point where they can believe every time they step on the field, I think is hugely important. I think that's where Syracuse is right now. So I think that if they can stay healthy, especially with some of those elite-type starters that they have, they'll have an opportunity to continue to build on what they started a year ago. Andrea, for the first time in 36 years, 36 years, think about where you were 36 years ago, Florida State missed out on bowl season. Can Willie Taggart right the ship in year two and get Florida State back to at least the bowl game? Well, I can tell you where I was 36 years ago. I was probably watching Florida State under Bobby Bowden get into uh, big games against Miami. So uh, (laughs) there's no doubt that Florida State can get back there the question is what is the definition of getting back if you're Florida State is getting back to a bowl game what you want or is getting back to competing for championships what you want certainly when you're a program that has played for championships as recently as 2014 Florida State made the playoff that year the expectation level and the standard there is competing for and playing for national championships. I don't think Florida State is at that point right now in year two under Willie Taggart, but I firmly believe this team is going to be back in a bowl game. They've got a difficult schedule the way that it's laid out. I think eight and four, nine and three is very realistic for this team, but I'll put an asterisk on that because that's what I said about them a year ago, and I was not the only one who was wrong about them, but certainly I think that a lot of us did not realize how deeply uh, the issues that started to crop up under Jimbo Fisher had really impacted this team a year ago. It's not 100% his fault. Uh, no, no question about that. But he bears some of the responsibility. So does Willie Taggart for the way that this team played on the field. It's not disciplined, uh, too many penalties, inability to do anything on offense, poor offensive line play. That's a reflection on the coaches and the coaching staff. But there were some issues there that needed to be cleaned up from when Jimbo Fisher was the head coach. I think they're building and they're getting there. I think they make a bowl this year but I still think they're a couple years away from being able to contend for championships once again. Andrew, we always talk about the ACC Atlantic because that's where the powerhouse teams are. We should talk about the ACC Coastal because it's a very tough division to predict. Who do you see emerging from this crowded and competitive field? Well, I picked Virginia uh, to win the Coastal. And honestly, I thought most of the ACC media was going to go with Miami because that's generally the default choice in the Coastal Division because everybody is so ready for Miami to quote-unquote be back. We just talked about that with Florida State. It's been a lot longer for Miami in terms of the ability to compete for championships. Uh, I think Miami's got an easier schedule than Virginia has, but I don't necessarily know that Miami has the star power at certain positions to be able to win the Coastal Division starting at quarterback 
where they recently named Jaron Williams as their starter. That was a bit of a surprise. He went into camp at number three on the depth chart, but he really played a lot better and more consistently than Nikosi Perry and Ohio State transfer Tate Martell. So when you look at Miami with Jaron Williams, I think there are a lot more questions, even though we now know who the starter is going to be because nobody really expected him to win that job. So I think his development and how quickly he's able to get this offense going is going to determine what happens with Miami this year. I picked them second behind Virginia. I just think with their quarterback, Bryce Perkins, coming back so dynamic and what he can do both in the pass game and the run game. Uh, they talked about the improvements he's made as a passer. Obviously, we know he, what he can do as a, a runner. Their schedule is difficult. There's no question about that. But I love the strides that Bronco Mendenhall has made at Virginia. Uh, when he took that job, so many people questioned what he was thinking because he had such a good thing going at BYU. And a lot of folks wondered whether that was going to be a good fit. And I think what we've seen in the time that he's been there is he's been able to bring that same type of culture of responsibility, accountability that he had at BYU and a top-notch defense, which is his background. They're going to have a solid defense once again. Now you pair that with some of the improvements they expect to make on offense, and that's the team I think that's going to come out of the Coastal. And Andrea, we'll get you out of here on this one. Each year we have a sleeper team that comes out of nowhere. Last year that team was Syracuse. Who do you think has a chance of being that team this year? You know, that that's a great question, uh, and it's one that I generally get wrong. So if I was anyone listening, I might not go to Vegas and put some money down on this, especially because the ACC has been so unpredictable uh, over these last couple of years. Uh, but I think a team like Virginia Tech has an opportunity to, to make some noise this year. Now, they're really pleased with uh, the changes that have been made in that program. This is the last year for uh Bud Foster, who's been the legendary defensive coordinator there. I think this defense has a lot to prove because of what happened a year ago. Probably the worst defensive output under Bud Foster uh, in his illustrious career. And they bring a lot of guys back. I think they're really happy with the players that they have coming back, specifically at linebacker. And this is a linebacker-driven defense. Offensively, they've still got some question marks to answer at running back and receiver, but they feel good about Ryan Willis coming back as, a, as their quarterback. You know, this is a program that got a lot of negative headlines in the offseason because they lost so many players to transfer, including quarterback Josh Jackson, who they were expecting to come back and compete for the starting job. But Justin Fuente has really tried to tamp down that narrative and say, look, we needed to have a, a, a cleansing of the locker room, so to speak, in terms of some guys just didn't want to be here, didn't want to put in the work that we were asking them to do. They feel like they're in a much better place today than they were a year ago in terms of the character and the quality of players that they have in the locker room. So Virginia Tech, with the schedule that they had this year, playing in that coastal division, I think they could be in for a, a bounce back year and a bigger year. Andrea, thank you so much for coming back on the program. Again, our great friend Andrea Adelson from ESPN.com doing an amazing job covering college football. Enjoy the start of the football season. We'll speak with you soon. Thanks for having me again. Appreciate it. Always great to speak with Andrea Adelson. And I'm now joined over the phone by the Juice Online Editor-in-Chief and my very good friend, Brad Bierman. Brad, how are you today? I'm doing well, Wes. Thank you. Brad, it's August, but we're already talking Syracuse basketball because they're on their exhibition trip to Italy. On Monday, they started with a 69-59 win over All-Stars Varese. Brad, what are some of the general thoughts you had on this game? Well, I'm excited. that That's one, but I'm also realistic. Uh, excited because this is great for a team this young 
to get an early start on being a team or trying to be a team. And even without Eric Dolezal and uh, Ajak, the other freshman big man, it's still what a fantastic opportunity for Jim Beheim and his staff to get a look at, at, at these you know, four freshman players coming in, or at least three of them to, to make major contributions, to see what the reserve players on the bench at Washington and Braswell, can they make a contribution as scholarship players to this program? But at the same time, also realistic, you know, the team just arrived uh, in Italy, uh, you know, 48 hours before the game, uh, international rules, 24 second clock, four quarters. So you have to take all that into consideration for the first time. But all in all, I think the biggest takeaway I got, Wes, was the play by Barama Sadibe in the middle. And that is so important for a Syracuse team to have potent play from the number five spot, right? I mean, Wes, when do we go back? Rakeem Christmas, maybe, to have effective play in the middle? Fab Mello a little bit before that? Uh, going back to Craig Forth and the championship team in 03? It's so vital to have productive play from the number five uh, position player. And if, you know, what we saw in just one exhibition game in August in Italy from Sidibe shows, I think that's really a good sign. Brad, you touched on it just now. You talked about the five freshmen on the team, four freshmen available for this trip. Bryson Gadeen really stuffed the stat sheet, 11 points, four rebounds, three assists, three steals. I think he's someone I'm buying stock on right now as an underrated freshman. Joe Girard, six points and a key three-pointer to put the game away. Jesse Edwards, seven rebounds. And the main attraction, Quincy Guerriere, playing the most minutes of the freshman with a stat line of nine points, eight rebounds, two steals. He really showed his length. He showed his strength. I think there's a lot of potential for these freshmen, and it showed on Monday. How about a nickname like G-Wiz, like for the three Gs, right? I mean, <laughs> yeah, these guys are great. I mean, they're going to step in as freshmen and make contributions. There's just no doubt about that. Uh, I mean, let's give uh, credit to the coaching staff for the recruitment of these players. I mean, you're talking about Quincy G out of nowhere in French Quebec. First time the Syracuse program has you know, gotten a player from Quebec. They've done great in Ontario, as we know, with Leo Routens and uh, Tyler Ennis and O'Shea Brissett in the Toronto metro area, but uh, extending to Quebec. And then to get Joe Girard, the New York State Player of the Year, you have to make sure you're going to keep your best players home at home, and they did that. Kadeen, they were with as a sophomore in Rhode Island in, in his high school recruitment. So give a lot of credit to the coaching staff. They reloaded Syracuse. Jim Beheim, this is gravy for him. A trip to Italy with his family. Uh, starting to mold a young team against, you know, some decent competition. It's just a a really unique and great experience. And Brad, one more thought in the exhibition game on Monday. It's really the two players who played major minutes last year returning who made the biggest impact offensively. The captain, Elijah Hughes, leading the way with 18 points. What I liked about his game is that he only shot two of nine from downtown, but eight of 19 overall when the three-point shot wasn't falling. He made a concerted effort to get inside and get aggressive. And then Buddy Beheim, 11 points on three of seven shooting from downtown. I think those are both good signs. If Syracuse wants to win games, the two of them are going to have to score, and that's exactly what happened on Monday. Well, they're going to score. Those two are going to score. I mean, E. Hughes is going to be the guy this year. He's going to be you know, the scoring machine, and – uh, Buddy Beheim has improved. He, he's gotten some strength. Uh, hopefully his quickness will be a little bit better this year as well. And and with Gerard as well, this team is going to hoist up three-point shots. There's just no doubt about it. And when they make them, when they're hot, they're going to beat a lot of teams uh, if they can keep, stay consistent on defense. And that is the real big question. As defense is going to be is how far this team goes. And that's really what I think 
you're going to want to see with the coaching staff in the final three games in Italy, what they'll be obviously working as they always do in preseason practice and then in, in the exhibition games leading up to that Virginia opener. But again, it's going to be on defense because I don't really have any doubt that there are going to be enough players on this team that can score. Brad, we are right at the end of our show. Your closing thoughts. I was doing some research on the upcoming football season, Wes, and with a uh, expected win over Liberty in the open on August 31st, Syracuse will uh, be a first in program history. They will have won on the road for two consecutive years for the first time ever. Hard to believe, right? Going back to, uh, to so long with the program's wow. history, but never have they won two road games in consecutive years to start a season. And that should change with a win at Liberty after beating Western Michigan on the road last year. That's my final thought. Brad, my closing thoughts are on the Atlantic's Bruce Feldman, who, along with his colleagues, released their preseason ACC football predictions on Tuesday. Feldman predicted Clemson would go 12-0, but he also predicted that Syracuse would go 10-2 overall and 7-1 in conference. If that happens, Syracuse would likely start the season 1-2 with losses against Clemson and at Maryland, and then they would run the table from there. It's definitely going to be an interesting season now that Syracuse is expected to be good, unlike years past. That's it for us for Brad Bierman. This is Wes Chang reminding you that technically, most things theoretically are actually hypothetically. You've been listening to the Juice on the Cues podcast on SNY.TV, and we'll see you next time. This has been the Juice on the Cues podcast, part of the SNY.TV audio network. Why? Why? If you Why? have T-Mobile 5G home internet, you might be hearing this Why? a lot. Why? Every time your internet slows down during the busiest hours. Why? Why? Because your network gives priority to cell phone users. Why? Why? Good question. Why not switch to Cox Internet with two times faster download speeds than T-Mobile 5G home internet during peak hours? Okay. Stop the whys and visit cox.com slash 5G home for details. T-Mobile prioritizes certain T-Mobile phone users over home internet users during times of congestion. 